Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. I think as a youngster I think you take things on board um, and you take things to heart you know and and they stick with you you know and uh, and there's periods in your life you know where you end up trying to prove you know that that wrong and uh, um, you know and I'm I'm pretty uh I'm pretty sure that played a part in creating a character that I was, you know, and uh, you know, and and we do, we, you know, I, I think your your childhood creates a lot of of who you are, your, you know, how you see things, your morals, and um, and you know, that was a, a demon I I spent many years exercising, and it uh, it all uh, kind of stemmed back from one incident with with your father at that time. Mm. Um, can you just explain a bit what happened there? Well, it was uh, it was just an incident. It was a you know it was just a uh, a playground scrap really, which you know was a um, a regular occurrence when when I was young, where I came from, you know, and uh, you know when I I never got involved in it and uh, and ended up freezing on the spot at the time, you know, when um, my brother and my father were involved in a in, in a fight, and um, you know, and and I came away from from the incident, you know, with uh, that feelings inside, which I speak about in the book, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, I made a pact that night that that was it, you know, I'd never back down again and uh, confronted with any sort of threat or violence, it would be easier for me to deal with it head on than to have to walk away from it and be left with the feelings that, you know, you kind of bottled it, you know, which is, uh, which is totally wrong, of course, in hindsight, but, you know, it's as I as I dealt with things and, and how I went through my life. Where did uh, football fit into your life then at that time? Um, I was just, it was, football was everything really, you know, it was, um, you know, I just, I, I played five, six times a week in games, whether it was school games, local clubs, um, and, you know, it was a release really from, from um, you know, where I was and how I was, you know, and in between um, playing football, um, and everything else seemed to be a bit of a blur, you know. It was just a really, um, a kind of like a dark time, really, you know. When it was uh, football, seemed to be the escape from from everything in my life, you know, that was going on and how I felt about myself. Um, but when I played football, I seemed to get a release from it. And then uh, you got your your chance at Plymouth. Um, what? How did you end up uh, playing for Plymouth? Because I believe you were uh, with Southampton to start with. Yeah, I was with uh, Southampton on um, a schoolboy, and um, and it wasn't followed on. I never got uh, offered an apprenticeship, and I carried on playing local football, Plymouth. And then um, Alec Brenton, um, who was a scout for the club, you know, we got a phone call at home and said, Do "You want to come up and play a couple of games for us?" I did. Um, I then played in the reserve team um, at fifteen, and. Um, and got offered offered a YTS, which it was then, you know, an apprenticeship on twenty five pound a week. So it was terrific. 
And uh, pretty soon, I mean, you were attracting the attention of, uh, of Blackburn Rovers. Um, how did that feel to be suddenly thrown into the Premier League? Um, you know, I, I, I played for Plymouth and, and it was my hometown club and, and I loved the club and I always wanted to. But I always had a desire to, to, to get higher and play, you know, and test myself against the best. Um, so I was always looking, you know, and... You know, seeing if there was any interest whatsoever in in me as a player, and <clears throat> and there was many times things were mentioned that clubs had come and watch, and they were making a bid, or and the club had turned down this or that. But it was ne- it never really happened. And then, uh, you know, kind of out of the blue, really, Blackburn, Blackburn came in, and um, you know, and obviously when Kenny Dalglish comes in, the club of that size as it was at the time, um, come in for you. You know, you don't ask questions; you just get there and um, and try and prove yourself. But it wasn't it wasn't really all plain sailing at Blackburn for It wasn't, you know, and you know, I, I've I've said in the book that obviously it was a mistake. You know, it was a mistake, um, and um, I shouldn't have, uh, you know, I should have maybe consulted a, an agent or somebody in the game who would have said, you know, you're going to go there. You, you've got Colin Hendry, you know, David May, Kevin Moran. Um, Patrick Anderson, who went to Barcelona from there. These are all the centre halves that they have. Uh, Henningberg, you know, are you going to get a game? You know, are you going to be able to break into that? You know, you may have belief in yourself, but you've got to be realistic. And is it not better going somewhere where you're going to and develop? Um, but that, you know, those that advice never came. It was just like, well, let's get in there and you know, do my stuff and and prove myself and see where it goes from there. And you know, and. You know, these players were better players than me. You know, there was no uh, hard luck story. You know, I did get an injury when I went there, and I eventually made my debut, and I did very well. But there was better players than me, and that's that's as uh, you know as frank as it is. I want to I want to ask you about that injury because you mentioned in the book that it was around about then that you started to to feel depressed. How much of an effect can that have on a fo- on a football? It's well, it, I would imagine different people deal with things differently. You know, I dealt I I didn't deal with things well. Um, you know, when I was injured, it was a terrible, dark place. You know, I was away from home, away from the family. Um, you know, and uh, we're trying to adapt to life away with with my son and my wife, and um, and it just, you know, you you feel as a footballer, which is wrong. Um, you know, that was just me. You feel as though you're judged, and people see you as a footballer. You know, and if you're if you're not playing, you're no good to anyone. You know, and that's how I felt about myself. Um, and uh, you know, to be injured, you felt like you're letting everyone down, uh, and that was a feeling that f- went with me a lot through my career. Um, you know, clubs were messing a lot of money in me. Managers put a lot of faith in me. You know, and when you're not on the pitch, you you know you should feel more about yourself. Uh, that you've got more. You know, it's not just the football, but that's how I was. And uh, and you you slip into depression, and um, you know, and, and drinks never far away after that. And and uh, you know, and it's just a, a story that many footballers talk about. They deal with injuries better than others. And uh, there was one uh, fateful trip back to uh, back to Plymouth and the Phoenix. Uh, uh, you said um, in the book about uh, one one notch away from attempted murder. Yeah, um, you know, and when I decided to write the book, you know, it had to be warts and all, you know, because it wouldn't it wouldn't be me unless it was. Um, I talked about the incidents that happened, you know, and. Um, because the, the, these incidents, you know, really directed the way my life went, um, and um, you know, uh, the reality of being having a charge sheet read out, and then your your team say to you, you know, you do realise this is one below attempted murder, uh, which is malicious wounding with intent, um, and you know, only after the court case did you look back and think, 
you know that the, the game's up, everything's over. If that if you're found guilty of that, you know there's it's a maximum of eight years, and you know and and I would have done four years and career over, um, and you know it's. Uh, it, it never, it never woke me up, you know. And perhaps if one of them incidents in my early child, uh, my early football career, you know, if I'd been found guilty or I'd gone to court and I'd gone to jail, maybe I would have uh, seen the light a bit earlier than keep dodging it and and carry on causing the problems I did. Maybe I'd do address it earlier. Well, like we said, it it didn't really work out for you at Blackburn. Um, you got the chance then to move to Blackpool. How how did that feel? It was fantastic. You know, it was great. I wasn't in the squad. Well, I was in the squad. I was travelling away in games. But you, you don't feel part of things, you know. Even if you're on the bench and you get on, you feel part of the team, like, you know. But when you you just feel left out, you know, you feel um, you feel worth... Well, and, that, and that's probably the wrong word to use, but that's how I felt when I wasn't playing football. You know, football was who I was. And without that, I was worthless, like, and... Um, so to go to you know Blackpool, speak to Sam Allardyce, and um, and see how keen he was for me to go there, um, and back into the environment of training and playing and looking forward to match days and preparing for match days and and the euphoria that goes with with victory and and the and the the pain that goes with um, with defeat, you know all those emotions. Um, I was back again. I felt alive again. When I played football, I felt alive. When when you were uh, at Blackpool, there was a there was a series of incidents that um, again that you like you mentioned about um, getting in trouble with the police. Yeah. Um, how did that affect your career there? Do you know, uh, as I've done interviews now over the last week or so, you know, and and I've looked at things. You know, I just I had a, an ability to bounce back and and be able to switch off from anything that was going on around. And when I was training. Um, I seemed to be able to find a zone that I was comfy in, and when I played games, you know, I, you know, I'd like to think that every fan of every club I've ever played for would say, you know, Andy Morrison never ever didn't turn up. He was always there, you know. He was always a hundred percent, you know. He was always focused and he was intense in every game he played, um, and I had the ability to do that, you know. To um, I never once drank forty-eight hours for a game. Um, I, I try to be as professional as I could in that, and somehow I managed to keep that discipline throughout my career. Um, I trained hard and, and I played hard, you know. And I managed to be able to put the stuff out of out of my life when I was on the pitch. That was my escape, really, was being on the pitch for an hour and a half and and just feeling that freedom. You then you then moved to Huddersfield. Um, you were injured again pretty soon. How yeah. how did that affect you mentally? Uh, really badly, really badly. Um, Brian Horton had brought me in. He paid half a million pound for me, um, made me the captain, and you know, again, I'm, I, I, I scored on my debut. We were doing well in the league. I'd made all the right impressions, and my knee went properly. You know, um, my femoral condyle um, ended up with a big hole in the in the in the cartilage surface, which needed to be drilled. And I was out. I came back. I was out again, and it was terrible. You know, and again, it was that f- my feelings of self worth were always around. You know being a footballer and on the pitch and without that you know I, I just paranoia you know my low self-esteem I, I, I just you know I remember once saying to my wife you know I, I'll, I'll offer to go and do some work on, on in the grandstand you know cleaning up after games because I felt like I was just doing nothing you know and uh, um, and that, that's how it, how it was you know and again you feel like your manager was under pressure because he wasn't winning games you feel you've let him down and 
you know, and uh, you start hearing things and that you came with the injury when you didn't. And it, it's a really unpleasant time. And again, something that I didn't deal with well. And I just, I hid in a pub, hid in the, you know, behind the bottle when, when those feelings came. And then um, Brian Horton lost his job. Uh, the new manager came in. Uh, you didn't quite see eye to eye. Not, not to start with. Um, Peter Jackson was was a breath of fresh air. You know his enthusiasm. Um, his um, he was a lovable. You know, and the players really went and played for him. Him and Terry Yorath were great. You know, and we knew that he was new to the job, and and uh, you know he didn't try and hide behind the fact that he, it was new to him and all that. And uh, and the innocence of that was was appealing to all of us. Um, you know, when we 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 all shook a leg and everybody gave everything they could, um, and we turned things around. with a miraculous recovery from the start we had, and ended up staying up. Um, you know, and I say that, but I thought uh, Peter Jackson. Uh, changed and again in hindsight when I look back you know I've, I've seen Peter Jackson since and you know when we're great we get on well but that's how you know that's how I saw it at that time and you know now I realize that you know I was wrong on so many so many things but I felt so strongly about you know how I felt I'd been treated um, and my pride came in and I was a proud person and um, you know I dealt with it the way that I only knew how you know um, I wasn't a person who, who spoke things through and was able to express themselves and how they felt you know it normally ended up with me in some sort of you know as I say in the book and um, the the incident that uh, with Peter Jackson ended up uh, kind of engineering your move to City um, where what what happened um, well it wasn't it wasn't I never tried to engineer it it was just how I felt you know I felt I'd been um, shown a lack of respect I thought I'd been belittled in front of the players the night before and uh, and I'm sure Peter Jackson as he went on in his uh, managerial career would never have ever have done what he did again you know he would have dealt with it in a totally different way um, and you know the, the following day um, we were back in and I went and seen them I spoke with him and uh, you know I didn't agree with what he said I thought it was harshly treated and you know we, I ended up picking a table up um, and walked out of the room and got a phone call that afternoon and I was off to Man City on loan, which was fine, you know, it was just, it was me, it was how I was, you know, and uh, and I've always been that way. If somebody crosses the line, if somebody does something I think is unacceptable, you know, I normally, <laughs> I, well, I have done, I've acted in that way before, rightly or wrongly, but when I felt that strongly about something. Um, and, you know, I think as you grow, you, you mature and you deal with things differently. And then uh, you moved to City and uh, there was another debut goal. Yeah, um, again, you know, sometimes, you know, in life things just happen the way they're meant to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had a good debut. I had a great game. I scored. Um, the fans took to me straight away, you know, and, and that was fantastic. You know, when you just think, why then? Why the times I went alone, it didn't work out? You know, sometimes things are just meant to be. Uh, and at that period, um, it was meant to be, you know, when it, and, and uh, you know, I'm only saying what people have said, you know, I was what Manchester City needed at that time. Um, and, you know, um, and it was a coming together. And I just think the chemistry was right for me and the club. 
And uh, I, want, I actually want to take you back to your second game uh, for City away at Oldham, mm-hmm. uh, simply because I want you now to describe that goal for me, because I'm, I'm sure you can imagine, I'm sure you remember it in, in perfect detail. It, well, back then it was roughly 22 yards, and now we're nearly in 40. It's nearly 40 yards, the, free, uh, the volley now, and uh, I'm sure by a couple of weeks' time it'll be the halfway line. Um, yeah, it was, it was brilliant, because, you know, we were at Oldham, but the, the whole place was full of Manchester City fans, and it was surreal. You know, you were looking around, not sure where to run because they were everywhere. And uh, um, the ball came out from a set play, and I just headed it back to Sean. Sean headed it to me without touching the ground, and I, I volleyed and hit hit it as well as what you know. Probably nine times out of ten, they would be you know heading down into the middle of Oldham. But you know, this one I caught it right, and it just flew in the top corner, and um, that was the third goal. And it, yeah, it was a special moment for me because. With that goal going in, you know, and obviously um, the whole stadium erupting, it was uh, it was special. So great. Um, but then uh, at City there was a uh, there was an incident in uh, the FA Cup with uh, Wim- with uh, Wimbledon where mm. um, you ended up uh, being sent off for uh, not really a lot. Um, Wimbledon was you know, and God bless her, um, it was a lady official. It was a lineswoman who you know got her knickers in a twist and uh saw something that never happened it was just two two lads you know who had, had a tackle and a, a skirmish and square up to each other and move on you know and graham pole sent me off and i, I spoke i saw graham pole after the incident and he said when he reviewed it he said he would have he wouldn't even booked us he would have spoke to us but the way um i think about wendy toms rings a bell um the way she described it was that you know we had we'd grabbed each other by the throat and we'd thrown each other, and it, it was nothing like that because Graham was actually carrying on with the game, so um, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, the wrong decision. But uh, the suspension didn't help you, did it? No, the suspension um, again gave me an opportunity to 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 seek out what um, which what I did on many occasions when you know life just seemed to catch up on me um, and. I became restless and irritable and agitated, uh, and I just needed, you know, to get some sort of oblivion. And you know, the book explains why I used to feel that way. Um, I just needed to get out, you know. And if I could have gone and wired myself up to, to an anaesthetic, like when when you've had an operation, and just drift away for a couple of days and then come back, I would have done because that's what I always needed. I just needed to escape from life. Um, and you know, when I headed to Scotland and. Um, I'd already sorted out with Joe to get the Monday off and um, I think the team were playing Stoke and, and off I went and uh, you know the rest is well publicised in the book exactly how that event, uh, that weekend event went um, and you know that was that was the final the, the final piece for me that uh, you know allowed me to, to, to have to look at myself and look at the way I was living and, and look at my addiction problems and you know when from here to this day now which is heading towards 13 years you know I've not touched needed or wanted a drink of alcohol what part did uh, Willie Donachie play in uh, in your recovery though? um I, I hopefully I get a, I get that across but you know I, I can't really you know I couldn't over exaggerate how big a part Willie played um in my life and my recovery because you know, Willie's a good, good man. He really is, and um, you know, and he cares about his footballers. He cares about about footballers as human beings as well as a footballer. And you know, and, and he likes to see people develop as well, and to uh, and to take a more philosophical approach to life. You know, and and Willie really helped me, and I, you know, I, I never thank him enough. I spent some time with him in Antigua, 
um, where we coached the national team for three months and um, you know and I think if you could get three months with Willie Donaghy in your life each year I think you'd be a much happier content person and uh, soon after your recovery and you um, and you and you've uh, you, you're sorting your problems out uh, Joe Royal gave you the captaincy at City um, what how did that feel then for you it was obviously very special you know and uh, you know, and I, I was captain at Huddersfield, captain at Blackpool, captain at Plymouth, captain of the reserves at Blackburn. Um, you know, I, 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 I guess I had the characteristics that, that you know, have leadership qualities, and and you know, were very honoured to be given it by Joe. Um, but also, you know, acutely aware of the responsibilities that came with it, um, because the expectations, you know, of Manchester City were not to be playing in the league they were in, you know, and they were far from happy with that. Um, and and to be given that, yeah, you you know, uh, very, very honoured, but also uh, aware of the responsibilities that came with it. And then, of course, you uh, you had the armband for what probably turns out to be one of the biggest games in City's history um, when uh, on the trip to Wembley. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Manchester City won the FA Cup, and you know, when, and 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 now heading towards you know greatness and and more and more success. But you know, the Manchester City fans never will never ever forget that day and that period in the club's history because it was you know it it seemed as though you know managers were coming and going, players were coming and going, um, the board was changing, but. At that period, I think everything came together. I think the players, I think the, the the board, the manager, the you know, and especially the fans, all jumped in the same boat together and started rowing. You know, and that's the way it felt. And there was a coming together, and uh, you know, and the power that comes from that was you know back to back promotions and and really pushing the club, pushing the club back to where it where it should be. I'm not sure if uh, if many people will actually know this, but you were actually injured for that game. But you had painkilling injections and, and made sure you were you were able to play. Yeah, I was. Um, you know, I was. I was waiting for my um, my you know usual clean out in the summer, where um, I'd reached that period where you know where I'd, I'd get through a season and I'd have a clean out and flush and and uh, ready to go again. And I was needing it again. And um, my knee was swollen and I, and I had my knee drained and and, and I had a, a painkilling injection put in before the game and to be perfectly honest with you it numbed it completely and you know there was no feeling there it wore off um, towards half time and I had some more um, I can't remember the name what it is put in uh, it helped but you know I felt okay and Joe Joe said to me he, he felt I looked like I was carrying it a bit in the second half you know and um, which was his decision and uh, you know so he, he took me off and changed it around a touch. And how how did you feel then from the bench watching what happened? I mean, going two 0 down and not being able to do anything about it. How how did that feel? Um, on a personal level, it felt it felt as though it wasn't part of the script. But you know, as we know, it was part of the script. You know, for me, it was this is not how it's meant to go. You know, I feel as though you know I've turned my life around. We're going forward. Everything now ends up with us getting promoted, big party and you know, and it wasn't part of the script going two nil down. Um, you know, we know that the script was an even better script that was created by the good Lord himself. You know, and the way it went, um you know, I don't think anybody would change it for the way it was because it, it really symbolised where we were as a club and um and and a pivotal moment in a, in in turning things around. And uh, you were the first to catch uh, Nicky Weaver as well on his uh, on his uh, mad little run after his uh, penalty save. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicky, uh, Nicky went uh, a bit crazy and started running, and uh, 
and every lads would the lads were chasing him in a circle. But you know, I'm slightly older and a bit more intelligent. That's so why I cut him off at a slight angle and got hold of him. And he was just, you know, he was out of breath. He'd been running, and and we had a big pile on, and, uh, and 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 he was struggling. But it was great. It was a fantastic, fantastic occasion and day. And then uh, obviously City promoted to uh, what was then the first division um, very early on in the season. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, one red card in particular. Um, an incident with Stan Collymore. You, you licked his face. No, I didn't lick his face. That's uh, that was what uh, people said, but it wasn't. Um, you know, I I was having a general banter with with Stan through the game. You know, and uh, I don't think Stan was in a particularly good pace, place at the time. You know, he'd come on loan from Villa, and it was well documented he was struggling with uh, with his own issues, and and I had no intention of, of bringing them to the fold. You know, but uh, we had a we had a slight fallout, and. Um, you know, and it made a few comments to me, and asked. And my comment was, "I've got you licked. You know, you've not, you're not had a kick, you've not had a shot, you've done nothing. I've got you licked." And uh, and he said, "What?" And I said, "I've got you licked." So I made a gesture of a lick, and uh, and I, I just, you know, it. The referee has just pulled a card out and shown me a yellow card, and he's put the card back in his hand, and he's obviously seen that my name's on it already, so he's had to pull out a red card, you know. Um, and it was, it was nothing as the papers, you know, sticking my my tongue down his throat, and um, and you know, and I think if the referee had remembered he'd booked me, he wouldn't have sent me off, and we wouldn't be talking about it. But it, just one of them things that seemed to follow me. As City were progressing up the league, did you find that you were struggling amongst what was in the, what turned out to be a drinking culture at City? No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, and you know. <laughs> I, I do look back and I do think I did take the, the holier-than-thou view, you know, and uh, and it was like, um, you know, the reformed smoker who hates people smoking around them and, um, you know, and I didn't agree with it, but we were being successful and, you know, we were winning games and we were on a run and there was a, a fantastic um, team spirit and the lads were no different to any other team. They liked to, uh, you know, they liked to have a drink um, and they celebrated and they worked hard and they played hard, um, you know. And it's it's well known that if you're winning games of football, you know, you can get away with murder. You can run up and down Deansgate with nothing on, and it's just exuberance and high spirits. That's what lads do. If you're struggling and you're down the bottom and you're having a few drinks, then you know it's totally unacceptable in in the uh, public's eye that you know you're a sportsman and da 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 da. You shouldn't be doing them things, but you're doing the same things. The key is you've, you've got to be winning games to get away with it. Is that the difference, do you think, between City's promotion season and the season after, where they, where they struggled in the Premier League? Yeah, absolutely, because the drinking was no different. You know, the, the way the boys celebrated a win or had a night out on a Tuesday or a Sunday afternoon or whatever was no different whatsoever to the season before. Um, you know, if anything, it, was, it had calmed down from the season before. But because you're struggling... Um, and because of the size of the club, Manchester City, you know, the press will, if they get something, will see it and they'll they'll go after it, you know. And uh, and they made a big issue out of something that had been no different the, to the the previous season when we were winning games. You were you, you struggled in the in in that City team to to actually get a run of games through uh, through first off injury. Um, how how did that feel then for you to to have the club back in the Premier League but not able to get out onto the pitch? Um, you know, players. The club have brought players in, and um, you know, as a centre half, you know, um, it, it would always been difficult for me at that age and that time of my career to 
to to go on and establish myself. You know, if if in my younger days, at my fittest period, playing in midfield, I believe I could have held my own at any level. Um, to play centre half in the Premier League, you know, you need to have pace. Um, you need to be comfy with one-on-one situations where, you know, players come short, drop it off, and spin and go. You've got to be able to stay with them, and you know, and I, and I never had the pace to do that. Um, and you know, and I accepted that at the time. And you know, Joe looked to adapt the team to try and fit me in by playing a three, um, and it did. You know, when we, you know, I, the games I played, I didn't let anyone down. But you know, if looking at long term and the club going forward, you know, it would have been hard for me in the Premier League to, to hold my own. How how did you feel that day at Anfield when it, you didn't know at the time, but it turned out to be your your last game for City? Um, I was I was hurting a bit because you know I'd been substituted and uh, and although it's it's not right, but the, the players who who will come off if a manager has to make a, a 50-50 decision on taking one or two players off and one player is going to look at him and throw his arms in the air walk off the pitch shaking his head you know reluctantly shake the manager's hand and then just go and sit down with a sulk or a player is going to you know jog off the pitch applaud the fans shake the manager's hand and sit down the player who's going to do that will be the one that comes off um, you know, because the manager doesn't need to have that hassle, you know, and um, and you know you try to be as professional as you can all the time, you know. And I felt it was an easy option to, to take me off. I said that to Joe. I wasn't happy about it. I got a load of abuse off the Liverpool fans when I sat down, um, and you know I picked the, my bottle of water up and sprayed it all over them, um, just to to you know antagonise them and be me but um, you know I just felt I, I felt it was wrong and I told Joe and, and he accepted what I, what I had to say and and uh, you know the the players like that I think you know at City now I think a James Milner or a Gareth Barry would be the sort of ones who w- won't cause a problem you know when they would come off and all that and it would be easier to do that than perhaps take a, take off one of the foreign players maybe who, who, who might make it difficult for the manager. And uh, what what was your relationship like with Joe? Because it was it was different to to what you'd had with other managers. Yeah, again, I mean, it was similar to Willie, you know. Um, and I'm not saying uh, that any other manager didn't feel that way, but they made you feel, you know. I, I just genuinely felt as though Joe cared about, you know, when when I had my last episode uh, of drinking. It was never, you know, he never came with the big book and the fine and the and the um you know when and, and reading the riot act to me like you know it, it was more of a you know do you not think you know you deserved to have a bit better of quality of life than this you know forget about the football you know you've got a family and all that and and uh and it was the first time I'd looked at it in that way you know that's now I'm not you know I need to sort myself out because I play for this club I need to sort myself out because you know um behavior is unacceptable and the fans you know it was about eventually it become around about me you know and I'd always tried to stop drinking always try to stop my um unacceptable behavior for other people you know um and this time I decided you know it, it had to be for me and you know and uh, and that's how that's why it was slightly different I was going to say then you um when your time with city ended you ended you you went back to Plymouth for uh, for a short while and you had uh, what a, a sober night out did that open your eyes to to what was happening in the past absolutely yeah absolutely um you know you you just see things you see situations and um which before you know you wouldn't have seen and and occasions you know when things would just explode and go off you know when 
And when you're actually in the cold light of day, you see how these things quickly turn from a, a mere nudge or a, or a, a, long, a, a wrong look to being an explosive situation, you know. And, and thankfully, I, uh, I listened to the voice that said it was time to go, and, uh, and I did. And, um, you know, and what, what, in, what occurred afterwards, you know, was, was, a, was, was a terrible incident. I say you're very honest in the in the book about about what happened to you and what happened with your family at that time. Mm. Was that was that very difficult for you to to get out and to write? Um, it was it was um, because you're going over old ground, you know, and and um, and you tend to, you know, you tend to not. We are people who, you know, especially being British, where we you know stiff up a little. We don't want to look at things. We don't deal with things. You know, we just box them off and all that and move on. Um, so you know, actually having to go over all these old things, where it was, it, there was, it caused, it did cause pain, and you worry about how it's going to upset people who have moved on as well. But you know, as I've said, I've tried to be as honest as I can with the incidents that occurred, and and perhaps it'll give people a a, a, a way of understanding me and how I tick. Um, plus, you know, I, you know, I hope that my 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 drinking story and you know how I came from that depths of despair um, and recovered from it. That it, it'll inspire you know other people. Uh, I talk about the you know I've been fortunate enough to go into um, prisons in the northwest and talk with young offenders, and to see you know the, the the pain that people carry and and the acts that they carry out, whether it's in the need for drink or drugs or just the the violent episodes that go with that. And, you know, the, there are people who have very often been wronged themselves. Um, society has to be protected from, from incidents of violence and that, but there's always more story to it than, than actually just sending somebody away and then them coming back out and, and then going back and drinking again or taking drugs and then going and robbing and stealing and, and causing, you know, violence and crime and everything and then ending up back up in jail. There's always another story to it than as simple as that. And I hope it, it allow people to, to, to see that you can come, you know, you can go full circle and, and, and change and, and you don't have to live that way. And uh, just finally, I uh, I believe you ended up as uh, manager of the Se- of the uh, Seychelles in, uh, in I, uh, one yes, way or another. Yes, I did. Well, I did. If if uh, if he was successful and he won a few games and and maybe qualified for a competition, then I would have used it on my CV. Um, but uh, it didn't it didn't go to any games. Um, and yeah, it's uh, you know I I'd say fair play to him. Fair play to him. Um, you know if uh, if you got a bit of sun and. Uh, and uh, and a few pina coladas on the back of it for a bit before he got found out. Then, then fair play.